Are you an adventurer looking to take your hunt to the next level? Then you're in the right place. Welcome to East Meets West Hunt with your host, Bo Martonic. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of the East Meets West Hunt podcast presented by Spartan Forge. On today's episode, I am joined by four-time NCAA wrestling finalist, three-time champion, and MMA pro fighter and hunter, Bo Nickel. Bo has excelled in everything that he's done up until this point and recently got into hunting. We discuss getting into hunting, his first elk in Colorado last year, how wild game meat fits into the life of an athlete, nutrition, finding reliable sources of hunting information, and discipline in being successful. 100% born in the Appalachian Mountains and made in the USA, Timber Ninja Outdoors provides a range of mobile hunting options to accommodate diverse hunting preferences. Whether you prioritize comfort, lightweight design, or versatility, their two-panel and single-panel saddles collection has something for everyone. The Black Belt Nano is the lightest single-panel saddle available on the market, weighing in under a pound. The saddle is designed with the minimalist hunter in mind, focusing on lightweight functionality and breathability. One notable feature is the patent-pending magnetic stick clip system on the side, which allows for convenient transportation of sticks up the tree, as well as a built-in platform holder. The Nano saddle can be folded up to the size of a Nalgene bottle, enabling easy portability. With a four-way stretch material on the back for a comfortable fit, as well as strategically placed padding for hip pinch relief. You can use code EASTMEETSWEST to get free shipping on any Timber Ninja order. If you try it out and don't like it, send it back within 30 days for a full refund. Learn more at TimberNinjaOutdoors.com and sign up for their email newsletter for exclusive discounts and product drops. When it comes to optics, I get the same question over and over again. What are the best all-around binoculars? Well, it's tough to find something that works in every condition great, but after using a pair of Maven B1.2 10x42s, I think I found them. They feature an 8x or a 10x option, superior low-light performance, tack-sharp edge-to-edge clarity, a generous depth of field, and a silky focus mechanism. All of Maven Optics have a lifetime no-fault warranty and hail from the great state of Wyoming. I've been using Maven Optics since I bought my first pair in 2017, and I think you should test them out for yourself. Head over to mavenbuilt.com and use the code EASTMEETSWEST-GIFT for a free gift with any full-price optics order. For all of those that want a truck bed cover for work or play, Diamondback makes the -the top-of-the-line heavy-duty covers that help you do more with your truck. They're perfect for the truck-owning, avid sportsmen, outdoor enthusiasts, and weekend project warriors. I'm currently using the HD cover that can is capable of holding up to 1,600 pounds on the top. And then I have the Yakima Overhaul HD bars on top, so I can put my rooftop tent on it. When I'm not using my rooftop tent and able to use the trifold design of the Diamondback, I have the Crossbin 8 in there to organize all of my stuff in the back of my truck bed. Diamondback is made right here in Phillipsburg, Pennsylvania. If you want to check them out, head over to diamondbackcovers.com. If you've wanted that hunting camp tradition that we talk about, that experience, but you don't have a hunting camp of your own, you're welcome to come stay at my hunting camp up here in the Pennsylvania wilds called the Elk Crossing Getaway in the PA wilds. So if you go over to Airbnb, you can check out our three-bedroom, one-and-a-half-bath 
house that's right in the heart of Pennsylvania elk country. It's only minutes away from a bunch of public land to be able to hunt, hiking trails, outdoor recreation, fishing, all of those things there. The house is completely fully stocked with everything that you need to be able to, to spend a week hunting deer, taking your family up to see the elk, anything like that. So if you head over to Airbnb and search Elk Crossing Getaway in the PA Wilds, you'll find my listing there and you can rent out my house. You send us a message, an inquiry that you're interested in it and mention that you heard it on the podcast here, then we'll get you 10% off of your first day. On this week's Mountain Buck Monday story of the week, this one comes from Rocky Smith out of Alabama. And Rocky said, I was fortunate to harvest two mountain bucks on northern Alabama public land last fall. The first buck was one I had been after all season, and I finally got a crack at him on the last rifle hunt for that area. I had several pictures of the buck throughout the fall, but had almost given up, and mentally, I was planning for the off-season scouting. An hour before daylight, an intense rainstorm came through with the buck on his feet after it cleared. This buck was a 12-point nine points with three kickers. I took him over two miles deep in the big woods. I got my second mountain buck for this last season one week after I harvested the 12 point. This was a nice nine point taken out of one of my favorite areas on my first hunt of this piece of public ground for the season. I had historical data to know the buck should be cruising in this area and pre-rut patterns. The buck had came cruising through just before the end of shooting light on a trail on a bench coming out of a thicket into the hardwoods. This was a special treat as I had no pictures from this area for the season at that time. Thanks for the great info and your podcast. Well, thank you, Rocky. I appreciate you sharing that. And I hope everyone goes over as usual to uh, Instagram, East Meets West Hunt, and Facebook, East Meets West Outdoors to check out the photos of both of these bucks that Rocky took last year. And man, that's honestly a dream season to be able to take two bucks in one year in the big woods, you know, one week after another, after a long season of hunting. Uh, there's a lot of things that can be taken for, from that. You know, as I talk about with Bo in this podcast about, you know, the ones that are successful, just keep grinding and keep going after it. And and that's, this story is uh, definitely something that pulls from that. And a couple other things that uh, I noted from this story was historical data, understanding, you know, from previous seasons, knowing that this, for that second, that second buck there hadn't even been in there this year, but he knew pre-rut patterns from that historical data. And also on the also on the, I think it was the, no, it was the second one too, with, with it being on the edge of that thicket and the hardwood. So there's a couple things that we talk about a lot in this podcast that came out of this story. And so just congratulations, Rocky. What a, what an incredible couple bucks there. And thanks for sharing that. So send in your stories, go to eastmeetswesthunt.com, go into the contact us form, send in your story and some photos, uh, or just send me an email, Bo at Eastmeets, excuse me, Bo at eastmeetswesthunt.com. In other news, uh, I got a layering system video going on YouTube. This one has to do with big game hunting. I recorded this or filmed this. Justin filmed it when we were on our bear hunt. Uh, Just kind of the concepts of the layering system, what I was wearing on that hunt. It's very similar to what I use for elk hunting. Just a few little tweaks, but pretty similar to spring and and early September like that are, are similar times of year. So 
going to have that video go up here this week. So make sure you're subscribed to my YouTube channel, which is just my name, Bo Martonic. Uh, also, with with that, I do want to say, I, I realized I didn't bring it up last week because it happened, I think, right after I released this episode. But last week, I lost my personal email account. So when I say I lost it, I didn't lose the password or anything. I just went to check my email one day, and it said that my account was deactivated. There's no reason for it, no anything that was on there. I have no way of getting in contact with Google. Found a few phone numbers. None of them worked. Uh, can't find any customer support email. Tried asking questions. I can't get anything from them. So if anybody has any contacts within Google and would love to be able to help out or get me in contact with them, that would be amazing. I have over 15 years worth of emails and Google Drive documents that I lost in, in a matter of no time, photos, all this stuff. Uh, it's very disappointing. I think I know kind of what happened, uh, which I had a, and I'll keep it short here for the reason this podcast, but it was, I had an old email account that uh, was under a domain name called One Woods, and anybody in Pennsylvania that knows Penn's Woods, that's basically like a Craigslist. That's what I made that account for back in high school, and it had migrated with Google many years ago, and I just kept signing into it. I had a different domain name, but it was still a Gmail account, and I've used it for everything other than most of my East Meets West stuff is under my my new business email, but a lot of stuff there uh, was pretty you know disheartening to lose that uh the biggest problem that i have is that's tied to my youtube account luckily my youtube channel is still live and i can't figure out how to switch my email to uh from from my youtube to a different email so i don't know what i'm going to do there i have not found any answers for it how to do that so if anyone's you know more intelligent than i am in this and can help out i would really greatly appreciate that um, but yeah, so that was, that sucked pretty bad. But other than that, we're three weeks out from when I leave from Montana to go elk hunting, have a really busy time of year right now, just trying to record podcasts, trying to get things done so that we can, so I can get content rolling out while I'm on that hunt and basically operate as if I am still, you know, working at that point. So Justin's going to be out there with me filming the hunt, uh, for, potentially up to three weeks. So we have 21 days planned, um, to, to elk hunt in, in Montana. Also have a deer tag in that area. My mule deer tag is not good, but the whitetail tag is. So, uh, I'll be doing a little bit of hunting of that. And, um, yeah, so that's, that's exciting, but just trying to get ready for it and making sure my bow is good all my gear going through that stuff like crazy, just trying to get ready. It's coming extremely fast. So I hope everyone else is, is preparing for their season whenever that starts and and getting ready for it. The the last thing I'll say is I'm doing a couple podcasts this week and next week, just trying to prepare for this time being off and and a lot of deer related stuff. And the deer, uh, a couple of the topics that I'm planning on hitting on early season big wood stuff. I'm, I think I'm gonna do that with Greg Litzinger. So Greg bow hunting fiend, he's been on here before, a great friend of mine. So if you have any questions that you want to want us to discuss, uh, send that over to my email. And then also a different podcast with a, a guy from Oklahoma that's just a, an incredible hunter. And he's very 
detailed about the weather. So I'm going to do some weather related stuff there. So if you have questions on weather uh, with fronts or anything else that that you have questions on that, please reach out and uh, let me know so I can ask those questions. But um, other than that, uh, I'll just let you get into this podcast here with Bo Nickel. It's a really good one. Bo's a good dude. Uh, got a cool name too. But uh, anyways, uh, I hope you have a great rest of your week and we will talk to you soon. All right, Bo Nickel, welcome to the podcast, buddy. It's uh, it's good to get to have you on. Thank you. Yeah, I appreciate it. I'm excited to, excited to chat it up. So yeah, it should be fun. Yeah, so for anybody that doesn't know, Bo is a four-time NCAA wrestling finalist, three-time champion, a whole bunch of other wrestling background, and now uh, an MMA pro fighter here, So, uh, and also a hunter. And that's one of the – how you and I first started talking was uh, through Instagram, and you'd sent me a message about the Pennsylvania – elk i i think it had something to do with pennsylvania elk there and we started chatting back and forth a little bit so that was cool yeah for sure um wrestled a long time fight now and just recently started getting into hunting so uh yeah but i'm i'm really really all in on on uh i guess all those areas and <laughs> big passions of mine yeah and you and you're uh you're a pennsylvania resident now right you, you still live in pennsylvania yeah yeah so i I got to PA in 2014, come to school at, at Penn State, and uh, yeah, I've been here ever since then. So I got my Pennsylvania license, what would it have been, maybe like three years ago, 2019, I want to say. So yeah, been a PA resident for a few years now. Nice. And you're originally from Colorado, is that correct? Yeah. So I, I kind of moved around a bunch growing up, um, but I was born in Colorado and, and lived there for a while. I still have a lot of family there and stuff, so I'm, I'm back in back in Colorado quite a bit. I gotcha. So yeah, give a little bit of a background on just kind of, you know, how you grew up and then, you know, just kind of a, a brief overview of how you grew up and then how you got into, uh, wrestling. And I know that we're not going to, we're not going to focus uh, a lot on that as I know you probably talk about that enough in other avenues. I wanted to change it up a little bit here for you, but just give a little bit of a background on that kind of growing up and how you got to, you know, even going to, to state college there and, and where you're at now. Yeah, for sure. So I, I pretty much started wrestling like as soon as I was born. My grandpa wrestled in college and was a wrestling coach. My dad was a wrestling coach and he wrestled his whole life. So, um, you know, it was just kind of like in my blood, I guess. And from the very beginning of my earliest memories, I just remember like being in the wrestling room, being at tournaments and stuff. So I started competing when I was five, competed for, you know, a little over 20 years. And, uh, yeah, was able to get a scholarship and go to Penn State and won a few national championships there, which was a really awesome experience. And then continuing post-collegiate, I uh, tried out for the Olympics in 2021 and I took second at the Olympic trials. So didn't make the Olympic team, but uh, that was, uh, you know, for me, um, a goal I had that I didn't achieve, but the timeline just, it didn't really work out for me to keep um, pursuing wrestling because I was just more passionate about MMA and starting that transition. And I didn't really want to, you know, chase two rabbits. So, um, I have been all in uh, on MMA since last August. So it'll be coming up on a year now. I've been full-time training MMA and yeah, just, uh, that's what I do every single day is I wake up, I go to the gym, I train, I, I still have to keep my wrestling sharp for, um, 
fighting. So I'm, I'm still training at Penn state with uh, a lot of the guys that are on the college team and stuff and helping them out. But yeah, I'm a hundred percent committed to MMA. Just had my first pro fight a month ago and I'll have my next pro fight August 9th. Yeah. And it's, it's crazy because it seemed like that, that came pretty quick. Like, I mean, it seemed like, you know, you just talked about just starting, you know, MMA a couple years ago and you progressed pretty quickly in that, in that sport. Do you think, I mean, at, from the outside, it looks like, you know, your wrestling obviously has a lot to, to be able to do with that, but also, you know, your striking ability from watching some of the, the clips and everything of the fights was, was uh, pretty incredible. So do, have you had to work pretty hard on that side of it or did that come, you know, natural to you? What, how did that look? Mm-hmm. I'm definitely working hard on it. You know, I have, I have great coaches and, and some great partners around me, luckily. Um, so when I, when I transitioned over to MMA, I, built a gym in state college. So I actually, uh, started a gym out here and there's like, you know, pro classes for me with, we just have a couple other guys, but we also have classes for the public and everything. And so I'm training there every day. And like I said, got great coaches, great partners. So I I think that I've progressed pretty quickly in the striking. Um, but I've also put a lot of time in and a lot of effort in, and I I'm really like, I would say, uh, a lot more disciplined and committed than, than most people in regards to that type of stuff. I mean, like I said, I get up, I train when, when I'm have time off, I'm watching film. Like I, I just really feel passionate about fighting. I love it, you know? And uh, yeah, when I'm not looking uh, to figure out, you know, new techniques and how to be a better fighter, I'm watching hunting videos and stuff. So, <laughs> that's, that's funny. It, it's cause so you're the, you'll be the third, person that i've had that is an mma on the podcast so far i've had chad mendez and then also Corey anderson on before and Corey and i've become friends uh through i'd see him at all the shows and shoot together and and everything and and through that i've realized that that in that space there's a lot of hunters i guess like there's a lot more than just those couple guys that, I, that i've talked to and I, I believe that you had said when we were messaging back and forth that you didn't you didn't grow up hunting did you no. So my grandpa and dad were like super into hunting. So like I said, I was born in Colorado, but my dad and uh, his whole family are from Wyoming. So when I was like, probably like six, we moved to Wyoming and uh, just like the South Eastern corner, um, like a hundred miles north of Cheyenne and uh, like near the Nebraska border. And so my grandpa was a farmer and they had probably like, I don't know, like three or 4,000 acres out there. And so great mule deer hunting and great uh duck hunting geese pheasants all kinds of stuff so that was like i remember in my mornings growing up it would be like i would wake up and get ready for school my dad would be like coming back from hunting and uh (laughs) my grandpa did that a ton but for me i just always i was always wrestling and it was like you know right in wrestling season was like prime time hunting season so it was never something that i had had time for but it was always around me. It was always something I was like interested in, but like, I just didn't really ever like pursue it. And so once I graduated college and I had, you know, more time for myself and, you know, I didn't have to do school anymore that, and I, I, I found myself like with all this free time, I'm like, all right, like, what do I want to like spend my free time on? Like, I want, I want to find something else that I'm passionate about other than my career. And so I thought I was like, I, I can't remember, it was actually probably like a, like a Cameron Haynes video or something. I saw Cameron Haynes shooting a bow and I think I heard or maybe listened to him on Rogan or something. And I was like, 
I think I could do that. I think that like I could, I, I would like that. And so I waited maybe like six more, six months. And I wanted to make sure I really like wanted to do it. And, uh, and after six months, I was like still thinking about it. I was like, I got to do this. So I hit a couple people up and was like, where do I need to go to get set up, uh, to bow hunt, uh, with, with the compound bone stuff. And that I got directed to, uh, Lancaster archery. And so last summer this, this led up to last summer, last summer, I, uh, um, got in touch with those guys and drove out to Lancaster and got set up with a bow and everything. And, uh, like since then I've just been practicing as much as I can. And I've, I've gone out, uh, bow hunting a couple times for whitetail and PA. And then last fall I was able to go to Colorado hunt elk. And, uh, I'm actually starting, uh, outfitter in Colorado with a family member of mine. We have access to about 5,000 acres. Um, we have like, I would say like a, a thousand owned and then another 4,000 leased, uh, where we're going to be, uh, guiding hunts and stuff. So I'm like all in on it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It sounds like it. It kind of sounds like that's your mentality with anything that you kind of do in life is just kind of going all in with it. But what, what have you found like with getting into, you know, archery and w- was it, a struggle for you to kind of pick up and go with it? Did the people, were people able to help you from a coaching standpoint or how, how did that look? Yeah. Um, I think that for me with archery, I knew I, I've only, I've been doing it like close to a year. So like I, I really have just barely even scratched the surface, but, um, I think I've, I got set up really well at Lancaster. Like they have a great shop and, and some awesome uh, people out there that helped me get set up. And I think just having that foundation of getting set up correctly really helps big time. I know like I had shot bows in the past that were just like my dad's or like other people's that weren't really like fitted to me and not really like, uh, you know, like just what, what, what was best uh, for, for how I'm built. And then going to, Lancaster archery, like being able to try out like 10 different bows and get completely set up, have, have my sights correct, have get my, uh, draw length and everything and, and get that all perfect. Like the, when I first was like shooting my bow, I was like at 20, 20, 30 yards. I was like, this is like a gun. Like I'm like right in there. I didn't think that that I I could do it. And obviously like in a hunting scenario, it's going to be different and everything, but it shocked me how well, like I could shoot just by getting set up correctly. And, uh, you know, obviously now I'm, I'm practicing out like 60, 70 yards and it, it gets completely different at that point. And I'm still working on honing my skills in and, and getting better every day. But nowadays it just seems like there's so many resources for archery hunters between like knock on and, you know, different videos. Like I watch a ton of John Dudley stuff and like, you know, he's the man. In addition to that, like tons of people just want to help me, I think because they watch me wrestle and stuff and, like you said, there's a decent amount of crossover from like wrestlers and fighters to like hunters. And, uh, I, so yeah, I've been pretty fortunate with people wanting to help me out. And then also just, you know, being passionate about it, like practicing a lot. Yeah, no, that's, that's really cool. And it's, it's funny. Like what I, so I used to work at a pro archery pro shop in the past and, and that was like one of the biggest things that I learned from like teaching new people was if you get them set up and teach them right from the beginning, because it's so much harder to break bad habits or if they have, you know, bad form or not the bow that's set up correctly for them, because that 
that can make a, a world of difference in being consistent and being accurate. And, and you're, you're spot on with John Dudley's stuff. Like, I mean, I, st- I still refer to that all the time. And as I'm, you know, I have a little bow shop in my basement as I'm building things and working on things. I'm always referencing videos. It's a good time to, to, to be able to get into the thing. There's a lot of resources, a lot of places, good pro shops, you know, like Lancaster there that's, that are able to help people out and, and do it. And one thing that you had said about how you're, you know, you're driving tax at 20, 30 yards and the difference in a hunting scenario where I think that you, that you will probably be fine with it as you're used to working in high pressure situations. And I think that's where a lot of, you know, a lot of times people can fall apart, um, in those scenarios, including myself in those scenarios where, uh, once you have that pressure and your adrenaline's through the roof, can you execute? And that's kind of where the, the reps come into the play of it. Oh yeah, no doubt. So, uh, it definitely is, is different, but I was able to rifle hunt elk, um, third season in Colorado last fall. And, uh, I, it was, it, from everybody that I talked to, like, that time in college, it was just, it was tough. Like there was a lot of people that weren't successful. And, uh, I, I have a family member that's out there that knows the land really well. And so I got out there a couple of days before season started and I hunted for like, well, I think I was out, out like s- scouting and hiking and stuff for eight straight days. But I think I was, it was the fifth day of the season when I finally got an opportunity and, uh, there was, a herd that came out, um, around some trees, it was like 230 yards away. And it was probably like 30, um, 30 ish cows. And then the very last elk that walked through was like a, a nice size bull, like the biggest one that I had seen so far. And, uh, I was just like, don't look at, don't look at his antlers, like just <laughs> put it on his vitals and squeeze the trigger. And I just like, think that, you know, like you said, all of those high pressure situations that I've been in with wrestling and fighting, competing and stuff like that, it was almost just like instinct, like, like just zone everything out and execute. Don't think about anything. I mean, and again, it's way easier on a rifle than it is on a bow. Like there's way more going on on a bow, but like just knowing that I had been in high pressure situations, I just put it, put it right behind the shoulder and squeeze the trigger and smoke them uh, 230 yards out. He, he dropped it. I mean, he, he hit the ground and then came back up and, uh, was down and like 10 yards away. So it was like a great, and that's the first animal. I mean, the first big animal I've ever big game that I've ever, uh, hunted. And it was like the most amazing experience ever. It, it felt like honestly better than like winning a match or a fight. It was cause it was so much work leading into that moment. And yeah, being able to execute in that situation was like, the coolest thing. Yeah. And so when, when you were on that hunt, you know, being your first like big game hunt, did you know much about elk leading up to it from living out there? Was it, was it pretty green for you of trying to like, you know, figure out how they're moving some of their tendencies, some of that, those types of things. Oh, I, I definitely felt really green. Um, like I said, my, my uncle who I was with, he, uh, he's hunted there for 30 plus years. So, you know, with him being there with me, it was like, I was just trying to soak up as much as I could and uh, learn as much as I could from him. And and I did a ton of research before, but the first time I had seen an elk in person, like even on binos or anything was that hunt. So I had never really like been had encounters or anything like that. And uh, I I felt like I learned so much just in, I was really glad that I didn't like 
get out there and see him first day of the season and then just like smoke one like an easy shot it was like we were grinding we were I probably put on like I was up every day at 4 a.m and there like out every day until dark for like I said eight days straight and I was really like just trying to soak up as much as I could from that experience and you know obviously I wanted to I wanted to be successful but there was a time where I was like man like I might have gone all the way out here and for 10 days and just like not even get a chance. So, um, that's how it goes. But I think like for it being my first son, it was a perfect experience. Cause I got to learn a lot. It was difficult. We were really grinding up early hiking, putting the miles on and, uh, then, you know, being able to be successful, um, when it was kind of like do or die time, it, it felt good. Yeah, no, that's, that's, that's super cool. And, and anytime that you're on a hunt for that long and, you know, it takes that long to have an opportunity, it's, it's a, it's a mental struggle, even more than a physical one of like, Oh, you know, am I going to get a chance? Is this, you know, you start, yeah. these things start creep doubt, start creep, creeping into your mind a little bit and it, it can make it, can make it difficult, but it definitely is so much you know, more satisfying. Like it, it took me until my fourth year of elk hunting to kill one with a bow. And it was like almost 40 days worth of hunting before I, you know, killed one. And it was just like, it made that moment. So, you know, so special when it happened, it's just like, uh, it was like the best moment of hunting that I've, that I've ever had. Cause you know, you really feel like you, you've worked for it, I guess. Mm, yeah, for real. I, I feel like, so last fall, like, I mean, I, I just got my bow in maybe July. And I was like, I'm not going to go try to kill an elk after having a bow for three months. Like, it's just, it, it almost seemed like if I were to do that, like I would be disrespectful. And so I was like, I'm going to like just grind it out for at least till next season, maybe longer until like, I feel like I'm really ready to go. Um, so I can't imagine what it's going to feel like when I get one with a bow, but I'll probably cry <laughs> because I, 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 I'm still putting tons of reps in just trying to get my entire sequence down and have everything down pat to where, you know, there's there, the, the chances I just, I just give myself the best chance to be successful and stuff. You know, it's been way more work. Like I said, with the rifle, you know, it's, it's different, still, still such an amazing thing, but I just feel like really called to archery hunting and the challenge of it and everything just kind of speaks to me. And I just know like when I get that first bull, uh, with a bow, I'm going to like be so happy. <laughs> yeah. You know, and it's, it's funny. Cause like I, for a while I had really only archery hunted and it was just like, that was just kind of what I did. I liked it. And then in the last few years, I started doing some more rifle hunts and just from opportunity standpoint. And I love that. Like, I mean, I love rifle hunting. Like I've, it's a different challenge. It's a different way of looking at it. Um, you know, being, you know, good at your rifle at longer ranges and all of those different things is, has just a different sort of fun, but there's, there's nothing like being like super close. And once you like, you go out in like September and you got bugling elk in your face and, and, uh, you, you get, you know, within you know 60 yards or within 30 yards, whatever it is, like, it's just a whole nother world. I'll, I'll tell you that. <laughs> yeah. I seriously can't wait. I, uh, I'll send you some pictures of the, uh, the herds that we have on our property, but they're pretty freaking amazing. We got like some, some 360 plus bulls down and, and the Colorado river runs right through, uh, our land. So like, it's literally insane. And that, that's where I'll, I'll be hunting, uh, this fall. So I'm, I'm really looking forward to, 
like you said, getting up close and personal with them when they're bugling. I just, I can't imagine and I can't wait. And I watched so many videos and <laughs> so many like of those like little mini documentaries, uh, the hunting ones. And they just like fire me up every time. I just love it. Yeah, that's, that's awesome. And so is this, uh, this, this land that you were hunting, is that where you're going to be doing the outfitting business too? Yeah. Yeah. So the plan right now, like I said, my, my uncle's hunted there for, you know, his pretty much his whole life. So he has a very good grasp of the land. And, um, he's, he's not only been hunting there, but he's hunted all over, all over the world. Like he's been up to the Arctic circle up in Canada, pretty much, you know, all, all the Western States. And I mean, you go to his house and it's like massive mule deer mounts, massive elk mounts, caribou bears. Like he's got, he's like, so experienced. So for me, I'm going to try to just learn as much as I can from him and be able to guide people, be able to take people out and stuff. Um, but yeah, we're, we're going to be partnering up and doing that together. And, uh, so I'll hunt there. Um, I mean, I'll be able to get, we have, we get landowner tags, so I'll be able to get landowner or tags there, uh, for mule deer every year. And then all, um, all the elk tags, except for first season rifle or OTC. So, I mean, I have a place that I can go at any time, but you know, for this year it'll be there. And then I'm going to try to like keep putting in and branching out in other States and other places and for, for years uh, coming up. Yeah. I was going to say, it sounds like you've, uh, you've caught the bug that you want to start yeah, <laughs> going to some more places. Is there anything like in particular, I mean, it sounds like elk with a bow is kind of like your next like thing that you want to do, but is there any, like any species or places you want to go to for whatever reason? Mm-hmm. Have you ever wanted to have Levi Morgan, Andy May, Johnny Stewart, and others available at all times? Well, you can with CyberScout from Spartan Forge. CyberScout is like the chat GPT for outdoors men and women. You can ask it any questions related to bow building, scouting, hunting, survival, and a whole lot more. I think you'll be impressed with how it responds. CyberScout is currently out now for a select group of early beta testers and will be available to the rest of you really soon. The entire app is a complete tool for planning your hunt with incredible aerial imagery mapping, journaling, deer prediction, and some of the most accurate and detailed weather data. Use the code EASTMEETSWEST to save 20%, and if you're still on the fence, give the 14-day free trial a chance at SpartanForge.ai. CVA has been America's number one selling muzzleloader brand for over a decade. Hunting with a muzzleloader opens up a ton of hunting opportunities across the U.S., and I've been using the Acura series, but they don't only make badass muzzleloaders. Their line of centerfire rifles are great quality and not terrible on the wallet. The Cascade Short Barrel is ideal for tight quarters, deer drives, and quick shots in the big woods. You can check out their line of muzzleloaders, rifles, and accessories for every season and every range at bpioutdoors.com slash CVA. If you use the code EASTMEETSWEST10, you'll get 10% off of all CVA products, which includes rifles, muzzleloaders, and accessories. The next goal is definitely elk with a bow. I want to get a big mule deer with a bow this year too. So elk and mule deer, but I really want to get into, uh, I want to, I want to do like some predator hunts too. I want, I want to get a mountain lion with a bow. I don't think very many people have done that. So like, I, I know of a couple outfitters in Wyoming and, uh, I think, uh, I talked with a guy maybe in Montana that, that they, uh, guide for lion hunts and stuff. So that's like, 
my, probably next on my list is just to get a, a massive lion. And that to me, that's like, I don't know. I get, I, I, I treat like fighting is really, really like primal and instinctual and like, you know, in my DNA, I feel like, and it, and, and hunting is, is like that too. It feels um, like, you know, the exact same. And so I just think it would be so cool to like get on a big predator hunt and like see one of those massive lions, like in a tree or whatever, like that's just, you know, that thing, those things are just insane. So dangerous. And like, I, I kind of like use a lot of predator uh, analogies in like how, how I approach fighting and stuff. So to be able to do that would be, would be super cool. And then I want to go like probably up North to, to like Alaska and Canada and hunt out there as well. But yeah, I would like to get into predators after I get an elk. Yeah, no, it's, it's funny. Mountain lions definitely on one on my list too. It's like, there's something I've had like fascinated with mountain lions and I don't know, ever since I was like a kid, like I just think they're just like one of like the ultimate predators out there and they're just so sneaky and you just never see them. And it's just like, they're so, and you look at a, a little house cat and how much power them damn things have. And then you look at like something that, that size, it's just, it's kind of a, you know, a humbling feeling to be when you're out there hunting them when they could easily just be, you know, hunting you at the same point. And my, my buddy Clint killed one in New Mexico and he went on, uh, he went with, with a, with a bow hunt there where they had dogs and everything. And he said, he goes, man, like I, I thought like, you know, you know, the dog would basically get on track and the tree line and, and you kill one, you know? And he's like, but it was one of the most physically demanding hunts that I've ever done. He's like, we were riding around on horseback, you know, to, he, he goes, if you ever rode on horse for a long period of time, it just, it's sore, it's uncomfortable the whole time. And, and you're hiking up and down, you're following these dogs, you're doing all this stuff. And he, he's like, it was one of the, the, you know, best experiences and, and mountain lion meat tastes good. So it's like, mm-hmm. it's, you know, with some predators, you know, as far as like, you know, coyotes, wolves and stuff, it's not, it's, it's more predator control than the meat, but with mountain lions and bears, you have the ability to be able to get meat out of them too. Yeah, for sure. And like, that's, that's the definitely such a cool part. I feel like for me personally, I, I, I don't think I would kill anything that I'm not also going to eat. Like it would maybe be cool to like, go to Africa and like get a, get a Jaguar or something. But like, I'm not going to, I just, I, I don't think I could do it. Like it has to be in addition of the, the love of the hunt and the pureness of that, of like, you know, pursuing an animal and stuff and, and being successful, like bringing the meat back, like is almost essential. Like I still have probably over, I mean, I think I got a little over 200 pounds of meat from that elk. So I probably have like a hundred left maybe at this point And like, I'm just smashing that every day. So like, I love it. Like it's just, it's the best feeling too. Like when I, so when I came back, I, uh, I took like the back straps and some of the, and, and I put it in a vacuum sealed bags and I just brought it straight back with me. Cause I was like, I'm not giving this to the processor. Like no <laughs> <Yeah>. shot. <So laughs> I just like got a cooler and took it back with me on the plane and like put some dry ice in, in the cooler. And when I brought it back, I was able to feed my wife and uh, some of my family with it. Like right away, we, we thought it out and it was like literally the coolest thing I've ever done. I was like so proud and happy to have been able to do that. And they all loved it. It was just like tastes amazing. And yeah, that was like for me such a cool thing. And that was actually a big part of why I got into hunting because, you know, for me being a, an athlete, like I got to take care of myself, my health my nutrition is such an important part of it. And so, you know, the best game in my opinion, or excuse me, the best 
thing you can eat in my opinion is wild game. Yeah. And, and, you know, it's in wild game. Yeah. It's, it's, it's what basically what I live off of at this point, like my whole freezer is just full of it at all times. It's actually getting pretty low at this point. And, uh, yeah, I just, I just shot a bear like a month, a month and a half ago and I've got a majority of it eaten already. And cause like, you know, I have friends over family and it's just like, I love, you know, being able to, to cook it up. And I, I really liked it with the bear too, because it's like, you know, people don't always think of, you know, bears as being something that would be good tasting. But I was like, tell me the difference between deer or, you know, any other kind of wild game by eating it. And it's, you, you can't really tell. And it, you're, that's you're so on point with with that and i've li- you know i've always been fascinated with like the nutrition aspect of it and um you know with you know related to performance and mental health and all those different things that can come from you know eating healthy and wild game there's there's no more pureness than than that you know you, you know exactly where that came from and you know, how that's going to work for you Oh, a hundred percent. And I, I think it like, it, it almost directly correlates with how, you know, athletic and, um, tough the animal is like that, that it, it's almost like you don't even have to break it down to scientific in a scientific way. You just know, like you're eating a super athlete. Like that's going to be like, if, I, I, when I was out hunting, I saw this, these elk, we were like, they're in the bottom of the Canyon. And it was, it, it pretty much a, from my angle looked like straight up. They, they got up this canyon like 150 yards and it had to been less than like, it was like eight seconds, like six seconds. They just freaking boom, right up to this. And I was just like, like, what the heck, you know? And, you're, and that's the, that's the, the muscle that you're, you're consuming. And like, they're, they're every day just putting on the miles, running through the, the woods, running up and down the canyons. Like, you know, to me, it just makes sense that that would be healthy because, they're eating all organic grass, you know, and they're so active that like, like if I could be as athletic as an elk, like I'm pretty sure I'll win any fight. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's, it's funny. When I remember one time in Colorado, I was hunting elk and, and I, I blew them out and they went up over this, this Canyon over the saddle into the next side. And it was like 15 minutes. They went up and it was a long ways. And so I, I worked my way up there and it took me like three and a half hours to get to that point. I'm like, how, like, I literally watched them go the whole way up over and the amount of time it took me to go there. I was like, this is, you know, they're just incredible. <laughs> yeah. It's wild. But yeah, I mean, it makes perfect sense to me. Like why this is, you know, what I, what I need to be consuming, right? Like if I'm trying to be an apex predator, essentially like in fighting, like that's, that's what I, I need to be eating on a daily basis. Yeah. So how do you, when, when it comes to you talking about nutrition and stuff, it sounds like you take it pretty seriously as far as for training and everything. What What's that kind of look like for you from, I don't know how to, how to ask this question, but like, what's it kind of look like from you from like a daily perspective of what you're eating and, and how you're training for it? Yeah, for sure. So I have a pretty specific system that I kind of have honed in on and I'm always, you know, trying to make tweaks and improvements and stuff. And I, I just think nutrition is so personal that I don't like to like give advice on it. I don't like to be like, this is what you need to do, you know, but for, for me, what I like to do and what works best for me is I smash protein. I like to get a lot of healthy fats. And then when I'm consuming carbs, I'm generally consuming carbs that aren't uh, crazy if uh, affecting my blood sugar. So like sweet potatoes, white potatoes, 
Um, I'll do like, like grain-free, like I, I eat like grain-free tortillas with the brand Siete. So like I'm not, and, and of course like veggies and fruits and stuff. Um, but I pretty much eat like I haven't bought store-bought meat since I got my elk back. So I have some people that will like send me, uh, they'll send me steaks and stuff like that, different companies. So I eat a lot of beef. I eat elk. I'll eat, uh, yeah, then like sweet potatoes, um, vegetables. And then I supplement a decent amount of um, organs. So I'll do like desiccated liver, heart, testicles, stuff like that. I don't, I don't really have a good source to get that stuff raw. So I do it. I do pills, but um, I mean, I, if I could find a good source, I would definitely do like, do like as many organs as I could. And then uh, I do like raw dairy. So there's an, a good farm near me called bear meadows that they do like this awesome organic grass fed raw milk. And it's like literally the best thing I've ever drank in my life. So I smash that and then they have raw organic cheeses as well. that I'll smash, but yeah, that's, that's pretty much my diet. I just try to keep it, keep it simple. Um, and I'll, I'll just eat, eat till kind of instinctually. Like I, I feel full. I don't really track calories. I don't track my macros. I just, eat whole foods, a lot of proteins that I know are from good sources. And, uh, yeah, that's about it for me. Luckily for me, I don't worry about it a ton because my wife is getting her master's in nutrition. So yeah, I'm pretty set up on that department. So she takes care of a lot of like, you know, the specific stuff and like, I just, whatever, we, it. Yeah, <laughs> it's me, but that's pretty much my mindset when it comes to nutrition. Yeah, it is. It is interesting. I've had a couple, a uh, couple people on the podcast around nutrition that are specialists in it and professionals in, in that space. And you know, the, my outlook, like from talking to them and just through my own personal kind of journey with it, is just like got to find something sustainable. There's like so many crazy different avenues you can go with it. And like you said, everybody's body's different. Like for me, I had uh, Lyme's disease, which led to me having a gluten and dairy intolerance. So it's, I'm not like full blown celiac or I can't, I'm not going to die if I have any of that stuff, but I just avoid it. I don't eat, I don't eat dairy, which I love dairy, but I don't eat it because I just, I feel shitty, but you know, yeah. I have it, I get, you know, as far as, um, um, inflamed and, and congestion and all those different things. So I just avoid it. And same thing with gluten. So most of the grains and everything, and I just eat, I'm, my body does really well with a lot of protein and fats. And that's just kind of what most of my diet is I, I could do better on the the vegetable side of things. Um, I, when I was buying, I was buying some, like when I was working my regular job and then doing this and I was always busy and I was traveling and everything, I would buy like these pre-made meals that I would get for like, just for like lunches, like things that, that I could have. And then I would like cook dinners that I would just like make a mass amount of like one thing and then have it throughout the week. But th that helped me get my vegetables when I was, when I was eating those. But now that I'm, that I'm working from home, I don't, I can't justify the cost with it that I can just make my own food and, yeah. and uh, not be lazy with it. So that's, that's been kind of the, the outlook. But I, I think, I, I think, in general, just like nutrition, you know, whether it's, you know, an athlete or you're a hunter and you're doing on these things, like it, it can play such a big role in, in 
being, you know, the, the mental clarity side of it, the, the physical capability side of it, especially when you're doing big game hunting and, and you know, even, even tree stand hunting in Pennsylvania, if you're going to be spending days on end, sitting in a tree constantly and trying to keep your mind on. It, and if you start just, you know, stuffing whatever, uh, whatever kind of candy bars or whatever else that you have, like you, or anything that like messes with your blood sugar. And then you have that, those highs and then you crash and then you're just not, you're not always there and you're not always focused. So that's kind of where I really started paying attention to it was to do better in those situations and learn that like going out West, it was, I, I needed to consume a lot more calories than I would on a, on a daily basis because at one time I went on a 14 day hunt and my body just like crashed. Cause I was taking in like, you know, I just packed food in a gallon bag and it was like 2,500 calories yeah. and and I never tracked it normally, so I didn't know how much I typically, you know, took in. But when you're hiking, you know, anywhere from six to 12 miles in a day with a 30 to 40 pound pack on up and down elevation, you're burning. Like, I think I had it calculated. It was like, you're burning like seven to 7,500 calories and there's no way you can possibly consume all of that back, but you need to, you need to reduce that gap a little bit more to be able to, to help you perform with that. Oh, a hundred percent. I think. The fact that I was able to have such a strong foundation with wrestling and with fighting where I'm really aware of my nutrition and, you know, for, for a fight or for a wrestling match, like I, I have to make weight, I have to be disciplined with it. It translates over so well into hunting because it's the same idea. Like if I want to be the best hunter, I can be the best version of myself and be able to take down these animals. Like I got to be in shape and I got to be fueled properly and just having that you know, background that I do it. Like it's it, it almost like, I don't even think about it. I just, I just do it. Like, yeah. I'm, if I'm getting ready to go hunt, like it's the same as if I'm getting ready for a training session or getting ready for a competition. Like I just, it, it, it really translates over well. And that's something like that I feel like is a big advantage for me when I do come into hunting. Cause anytime I'm going around, like I'm in the best shape, like there's not really, yeah. there's really other hunters that like, I mean, yeah, you have like crazy dudes like Cam Haynes that are running 200 mile marathons. They're probably <laughs> in a better shape than me in that, in that regard. But like, I'm, I'm hanging in there with at the top of the top. So yeah, that's uh, I don't, that's the one thing that I don't even really have to worry about is what type of, what type of shape am I in? Am I ready to go on a, a two week backcountry hunt? Like I can drop everything and do that right now. I don't need to get in shape for it. Yeah. Yeah. Cause you're, yeah, you're literally training for that, not specifically, but you're training for that every day and that, that exactly. correlates and you're just, you're used to, to, uh, being able to, you know, work under that, that stress on your body and your mind and being able to, so it's just, it just kind of, you know, goes hand in hand. And even when I've had, you know, trainers and stuff on, on this podcast and it's just like, you're just, if you're consistently working at something, you know, every day and you're having that consistent, that discipline and working at it, like you just want to have kind of like that always ready, you know, mindset and that you could, you know, that was one thing I I work with a a trainer, uh, Todd Bumgardner and he, and he had trained a bunch of athletes, a bunch of special forces guys and everything. And, and he was just like, you know, I want you to be at the point where no matter what, someone could call you and say, Hey, I want you on a sheep hunt you know, in Alaska tomorrow, you know, that you could, you know, you could go and you're not, Oh, I need a, you know, I need to start working out or preparing for it. And I just think that, you know, with you and that's why, you know, there's so many correlations with uh, the fighting and the wrestling aspect to hunting is just like that discipline of doing these things all the time, just 
translates into uh, success in, in all those different endeavors. Oh, for sure. And I think like a lot of people don't realize what goes into hunting, you know, and there, there's a lot of hunters that don't really, I think set good examples of what it, what, what it means to be a hunter. Like, you know, dudes, I think most people when, that, that don't hunt think, oh, it's just like some big belly dude that goes out, drink a beer and like shoots a baby deer at like 25 yards and like, then calls it a day, like out of his truck, you know, like, and, and some people are bad examples. Some people kind of live, live that life where it's like, you know, that's, that's just how they handle themselves. But yeah, I think if you really want to like truly be a hunter, if you really truly want to like have that as your lifestyle, you have to be in great shape and you have to be ready to go. Like you said, at any moment, because I have heard tons, hasn't happened for me yet, but I have heard tons of stories of people where they're like, Hey man, we're going to hunt Alaska, like hunt bears right now. Like you want to go or going on a sheep hunt, like tomorrow, like, can you go? And you got to be ready. So, you know, I'm, I'm sure like, you know, at some point that'll probably happen for me where they're just like, Hey, here's an opportunity, either take it or you don't. And, and there's with what I'm realizing with hunting, hunting too, is like between drawing tags and, and carving time out to do it. Like it's, it really has to be something that you're committed to. It's not just like, you're, you don't just get to do these amazing hunts just like off the rip. Like, you know, I, I've been blessed that I was fortunate to like have private land that I can go hunt on in Colorado, but that's not how it usually works. And, you know, I, I only have, and, and since I am so passionate about this, there's, there's not, I'm not just going to go back there every year. Like I'm going to, I'm going to try to see as much as I can see as much country as I can. I want to be doing like, you know, 14 day backcountry hunts in Montana by myself. Like that's the type of stuff that I want to build into. So, um, yeah, I think a lot of people, again, just to, like hammer that is they don't know what goes into it. It's a, it's a whole, whole lot. And, and even myself, like, I'm sure there's going to be so much there. I know there's so much that I need to learn to be able to do something like that, like a backcountry DIY hunt, but, uh, yeah, I'll get there. Yeah, no. And, and what you made, you brought up some good points there and like, it's, it's literally is a journey like to get to these certain pl places. And when I first started, uh, Western hunting specifically, I guess it was like seven years ago now. And, and when I did, it was, I read Cam Haynes's book, backcountry bow hunting. And I was like, oh man, like I need to go, you know, find the steepest, deepest country backpack in, do all these things. And I was like, all right. And that, that I'm so glad I did that, but I also think that people could get uh, a lot of benefit from, you know, saving their money and going with a guide and learn and not just like being a, a body there that lets the guide do everything, like be an active participant and learn those things and learn the, the skills that might take you three or four years to learn, you know, even half of that on your own and to be able to do that. And then if you want to go out and do it on your own, you know, go ahead and, and do that. And, and I think there's, there's, there's no right or wrong way how to do that. But I, I think that there's a, there's a lot of value in going with an outfitter, um, or somebody that's experienced. If you're lucky enough to have somebody like you have with your uncle that to be able to, to learn from instead of, you know, just being strong-minded and saying, you're going to do it all on your own, because that's, it's, you're going to be, you're going to be kicked in the balls a couple of times. Oh, I, I wholeheartedly <laughs> believe that. I mean, like it's, it, it would just be dumb to assume like myself with so limited hunting experience that I would be able to go do a backcountry hunt at this point. Like, I think it's totally makes sense to, um, save your money and, 
and hire an outfitter and have guides. And, and again, I, I, I always will take the stance of trying to learn from, learn from these experiences and learn from these people so that I can be uh, self-sufficient and at, at some point do it myself. But, and that, that's why I watch so many videos and so many tutorials and how to's and, and read so many articles is because like, well, I'm shooting a new bow this year and I am pumped. After playing around with a buddy's Hoy RX-8, the smile on my face made the decision for me. The first thing I noticed with the new Hoyts were their extremely smooth draw cycles and the ability to adjust the back wall to make it rock solid like I prefer. I outfitted my own RX-8 with the inline accessories that made installation extremely easy and balanced out the bow. My favorite accessory so far is a simple one. It's a Go Sticks 2.0 adjustable legs to make your bow like a tripod, but it doesn't interfere with any part of the bow or the limbs or anything like that. In addition, the integrated kickstand within the HBX exact cams protect your string from excess wear when you put your cam into the dirt. Ground hunting or spot and stock just got easier. If you want to experience what I'm talking about, head to your nearest Hoyt dealer and take a test drive yourself. You can learn more at Hoyt.com. The Mobile Hunters Expo is a consumer-based hunting show unlike any other. It provides an interactive learning experience where you can try all things mobile hunting and learn from the best in the business. Come experience an unbiased, community-based environment where you can improve your hunting skills and find the right equipment for your needs. I'll be speaking at the Nor'easter Show in Mannheim, Pennsylvania at Spooky Nook Sports from August 9th to 11th, 2024. So come check it out at, or either of the other shows in uh, Michigan and Georgia. You can purchase tickets online at the mobilehuntersexpo.com or grab tickets at the door. I'll see you there. Yeah, there's, there's an aspect of those videos that are entertaining, but I want to learn. I want to know, like, what do I need to do? If I am glass in a ridge and I see a 360 bull like two miles away, like what do I, what, how do I need to move to put myself in the right position to give myself a chance with that animal? And, you know, what do I need to be paying attention to? What do I need to be looking for? Like there's so much that goes into it and there's so many people that know a lot and, and some people don't, I don't think want to share, but I think nowadays more and more people want to, pass that wisdom on. And I think you just kind of have to be like humble and, and understand that, you know, there's a lot to learn from these guys and a lot of them are cool and, and want to share that and want to pass that information on. And so for me, yeah, I would, I'm a hundred percent going to be using guides and continuing to do that. Not only now when I'm early in my career, but probably continually, you know, throughout until, until I can't hunt anymore. And then, you know, sprinkle in those do it yourself hunts when I really feel compelled to, you know, and, and, and want to test myself in a way. Yeah. And there, and there's so, there's so much to like, you know, I, I remember when I did that first, you know, backpack hunt, I was like, Oh, well, you know, I've hunted deer my whole life. Like I can figure out elk. And I, I tried, I mean, I got a lot of good information, the internet and books, and there's so much good information, Cam's book and all that stuff, but nothing is like being with somebody that 
has done it and knows it and can help you read situations as you see it. And you can be, you know, you can be a super athlete like yourself. You could be really good at backpacking and, and knowing the gear in that aspect. But like until you get all that stuff put together and, and do it, it's, it's difficult to, to be able to, to, um, I guess, be consistently successful at it. And, and I, I don't know, like, I mean, the big reason I started this podcast four years ago is like, I wanted to learn more and I wanted to be able to, you know, and selfishly learn for myself and then also be able to, you know, help others as I, you know, got into doing some of this stuff. And, and I think that, you know, if you're willing to just, you know, check the ego at the door sometimes and just learn from people that are, you know, better than yourself, it can be, it can be a really rewarding thing. Oh, absolutely. I think like, I think at the end of the day, experience is the best teacher, right? But we don't have unlimited time on our hands. You know, there's only a certain amount of time each year that we get to hunt and you only have a certain amount of years hunting. So yeah, we can try to learn as much as you can from experience, but there's a ton of people out there with a lot of experience too, that you don't have to do it yourself to learn from them, right? Like there's so many people that have been so successful hunting animals. And that's why like, if anybody's gonna, I, 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 when I, whenever it's the same thing as with fighting, as hunting, if, if I'm going to listen to somebody, tell me what to do, like, I better see some reasons why, like, if, if I'm going to, if you're a fighter and you're telling me how to fight, like, okay, do you have 20 professional fights? You know, have you won a UFC belt? Like, why are, why are you telling me what to do? And like, if you're a hunter telling me what to do, I'm like, okay, have you shot a big bull? Like, yeah. have you killed a lot of animals? Like, I don't know what, what, what is, what's your reasoning for telling me what to do? And yeah, if, if you're, if you've been just crushing it and killing animals and you're successful year over year, there's a lot to, I'm, I'm hundred percent going to be humble and respectful and, and want to learn, uh, from, from the types of people that, that are successful in that way. And it, it's really weird too, because I feel like it's kind of the same in hunting as it is in fighting. There's a lot of people that like say stuff and give advice and there's really a small amount that actually know. <laughs> so I'm trying to figure out like, in both areas because I've, I've honestly been hunting about the same amount of time I've been fighting. So I'm trying to like weed out who's telling me what to do just to tell me and who's like actually knows what they're talking about. <laughs> yeah. And it, it, it's, it is funny too, because I mean, and now anybody that anybody can create a YouTube channel, anybody can set a camera on themselves and film yeah. how to do something. And there's not really like a, a barrier to entry, so to speak. So it's, it can be difficult to know where to get your information from, but it's, it really doesn't take that long if you start digging a little bit in to see what people are actually doing the thing and what people are just talking about the thing, you know? Yeah. And that, that's, that's exactly, that's, and I, like I always say on this podcast when it comes to like Western hunting, like that's why I get people on that are way better than myself to just ask them the questions that other people want to. Cause I don't have that resume when it comes to Western hunting. It's just, that's, what it is. I hope to be there at some point, but that's not, not where I'm at where, you know, like if you, someone that's done it for a long period of time, like you're never going to see me, um, you know, in, in the next 10 years come out and be like, all right, this is how you kill an elk. You know, that's just not going to be the, the situation. It's it, unless you've you know done it for a long period of time and have this, like this well-built resume, it's, you just got to be careful, I guess, who you're yeah. listening to. <laughs> yeah, sure. I, I love to listen and like when I do find somebody that like really has experience and, and knows what they're talking about and has been successful. I love hearing 
their experiences and stories and what what happened. I mean, it's it's literally it's the hunting stories is like such a cool thing. And you know, for me, that's something I really want to share when I have kids. You know, hopefully, I have a, a few sons and whatnot, and that's something we can do together and to continue that on because like the cult. I, I love the culture of hunting. I love like what it what it does for people and how it really brings you together with nature. And I, again, it's like very ingrained in our DNA, I think as humans. And so I, I just want to like you, I don't know I, I have no business telling anybody what to do hunting wise, but hopefully like when I do have kids and they're, they're old enough to get out there, like I can have enough experience at that point to share what I know with them and just to continue, continue uh, that tradition. Yeah. And, and you're, you're in, you have two really good places where you have that tradition, you know, Colorado, you have that, that awesome tradition, that Western hunting tradition and with, you know, being able to have that outfitting business and having people come to camp and that, that aspect. And then Pennsylvania has the best deer camp tradition in the country. In my opinion, Michigan people might want to fight <laughs> me over it, but like, there's just, there's so many hunters there and going to camp. And like, I just, I, I look up to like listening to my dad because my dad's been, been, been a successful whitetail hunter. I don't think he's went a year without killing a deer since he was, you know, I don't know, in his early twenties, if not, you know, younger and, and always just being successful and always working at it. So like any, whenever I spend time with him, like I just, I'm just a sponge and I just want to learn more and we're at camp telling stories. And it's just, it's a, it's a really cool thing. And I'm sure it's, you know, that same way with, with fighting and, and wrestling and being at camps and doing all those, those different things and, and learning from people there. Oh, for sure. Like I, I've been fortunate. So the, my, my gym that I built out here, um, in, in central PA is, uh, the, uh, branch of American top team. So American top team is pretty much the number one gym in the country. The main location, uh, in coconut Creek, Florida, right North of Fort Lauderdale has like, I don't know, 150, 200 pro fighters and tons of champs and former champs. And so for me, I just try to do the same thing. Like you like soak up all, like I'll, I'll, I'm down there probably every other month. And I just try to soak up all the information from all those guys that have been so successful. And it's, uh, it's, it's just cool to like experience that culture. Like I, I think, you know, I, I lived in the wrestling world and the rest and then embraced the wrestling culture for a really long time. And so you hear stories and meet people and stuff like that. And, and it, there's so many little, individual um niches like that like wrestling hunting fighting you know and 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 i I just love i think all those people are kind of cut from the same cloth in a way they're just like good down-to-earth people that like want to uh get better at what they're doing and it's just something that's like kind of wholesome about that pursuit and and then kind of pure in a way where like like it's it's a little out of the ordinary, like the average person probably isn't going to really gravitate towards it, but the few that do are, I've just met so many good people. Yeah. And you know, what's funny is like, when I look at like my friend group and some of the people that I hunt with, a lot of them have, um, you know, a wrestling background and everything. And it's like, those are the guys that I, I typically go on like these, you know, back, 
country hunts and stuff with because they just they they know the discipline they know the work ethic like they have that built into them already so it's just like a it's a very easy swap to be able to to do it it's i'm very very picky on who i'll like hunt with and especially on like you know tough hunts because you just you don't know how people are gonna uh operate but i've all i've always just seen like this and even in just in, in life, like I, I have a lot of respect for, for wrestling and, and the people that do it because like any of uh, my friends that have done it and all that, whether it's in hunting or anything else after wrestling, like they've just been successful in it. Cause I feel like they just have known that discipline at a young age to, to go through. And I think it's, I think it's a really incredible um, sport and I think it's something that teaches a lot of things and I'm sure fighting's the same, same way. Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I think if I were to say like one thing that ha- is like the main correlation between, you know, wrestling, fighting and hunting, it would be delayed gratification. Like you have to be willing to delay that and be disciplined, you know, put in the work, put in the time with, with nothing to show for it for a long time in order to get that, that prize. And it's, you know, it, it's probably like that in, in a lot of different areas, but I just, you know, for me specifically really see that, um, you know, starting so young with wrestling and I had success at a young, young age, but I also, you know, failed a lot. And, and, and there was a lot of tournaments that I didn't win and a lot of matches that I did lose that kind of helped me grow and helped me build and improve to get to where I was. And so there was for every match I won, you know, probably, I don't know, 10,000, there was another hundred hours of work that I put in to, to win that match. And so I think that a lot of people that just see that success and they just see the, like the trophy or me get my hand raised or in hunting, they just see, you know, me with, with, with the elk are already killed. Like they don't see like everything that it took to get there. And it's the same in, in, in wrestling and fighting and hunting, like you have to be willing to put off that short term, like you have to be able to put off the, that, those short term hard times and that feeling of defeat knowing like, Hey, it's the success is right on the horizon. And uh, yeah, just like keep pushing, keep pushing and get there. And, and a lot of times you'll feel like, you know, if you do lose a match, you make it to the finals and you lose, or you, you do go on a hunt and you're unsuccessful it's like a letdown, but it's like, you can't let that stop you. Like you got to let it motivate you. And, and again, the gratification is just delayed a little longer in that aspect. And so, yeah, for me, I look at it like I might lose here and there, but at the end I'm going to come out on top because I just won't quit. Like it's not an option for me and whatever I'm doing, I'm just never, I'm never going to quit. I'm never going to stop. I'm just going to keep pursuing that. And the longer I do that, it pretty much approaches certainty that I'm going to achieve my goals. Yeah. And that's, no, you, you, you hit on a lot of really good points there. And, and when you, you know, as you've been doing this from such a young age, you know, competing and having to be this way, how do you deal with, or do you have like, where you just kind of like get burned out on something for a, you know, a period of time, or maybe it's a day or whatever it is. Like, how do you get your mind right to kind of get through those different scenarios? Yeah, man, that's a, that's a really great question. Um, it's really interesting to think about and to be, to be a hundred percent honest, like this is probably going to seem abnormal or weird, but like, I never, ever felt that with wrestling. Like I never once felt like I wanted to, 
like I was burnt out or I didn't want to keep pursuing it. It was like always my number one thing I was most passionate about that I love the most. And every single day, like as a kid, I would finish school and just be hyped to go to practice. Like that's not to say that it wasn't hard, right? Like I would be in there and there would be times where it was difficult. And yeah, maybe in the moment I wanted to quit, but there was never an issue for me where I needed like extra motivation to push me to achieve my goals. And I think that's part of why I was really successful is because when I was, you know, seven, eight years old, I told him, I'm like, I'm going to be an NCAA champ. Like I knew that from that age. And I went, you know, 15 years of work to achieve that. And I, yeah, again, it was hard. There was times where I freaking cried, where I got crushed from losing a match, where I was devastated, where I was depressed, sad, down, but I never, ever wanted to stop doing it. And I think that God just really put that in my heart and just really just made me that way to where my passion always over it overrides all those little voices in your head that like tell you to quit or and that's just really the foundation of why I do what I do and why I pursue the things I pursue now I really wholeheartedly feel that about fighting and I really wholeheartedly feel that about hunting and I know those are things that I'm never going to get sick of it doesn't mean and I think that to kind of come full circle and answer your question it doesn't mean that it's not going to be difficult. It doesn't mean that things you're going to go through aren't going to be hard and that you're not going to always have fun. But I think that when you're truly passionate about something, even through the times that are hard and, and difficult and not fun, you'll know why you're doing what you're doing and that'll carry you through it. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think you answered that question really well. And, you know, from talking to ton of very successful people and reading books of successful people. I'm always fascinated like their mindset, but I feel like there's a few things that are always in common. And one is confidence in themselves and, you know, having that vision, like this is where I'm going. It doesn't matter what anybody else thinks. It doesn't matter where I'm at now. It's just like, and, and always, always having that as a driving factor because yeah, you're, you're no superhuman from the aspect of you're going to have days where you fail and you're not doing, you know, what you want to do or where you want to be at. But essentially it's the people that just like continually put in that work and keep working at it that seem to, to always, you know, come out on top. And, and I, I see that with hunting too, with, there's a lot around right now with tags being hard to get harder to get than they used to be and more hunting pressure. And it's like, but look at the top people. The people are that are the best at what they do are still getting it done every year. And they have been for the last however many years. It doesn't matter if it's been five years or 30 years. They've been doing it and they've been doing it consistently with changes in times. This isn't the first time that, you know, something came and it made something harder, you know? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I completely get that. And I think to kind of cor- correlate that with fighting, there's a lot of people that complain about different stuff like, oh, this guy gets special treatment or, oh, this guy gets his fights handpicked or, oh, this guy gets paid more money. And so, you know, that's why this happened. That's why that happened. And and, and for me, I'm just never, I'll never have that mindset. Like I'm not never going to be like worrying about what other dudes are doing and, and how, how it is compared to me and stuff. Like I'm here to achieve what I, what I'm set, what I have set out to achieve. You know, a lot, I, my goal is to be the number one pound for pound fighter in the world. And I'm a one and pro right now. And so a lot of people are like, dude, like, shut up. You're crazy, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, 
all right, man, just because my goals seem unrealistic to you, that, that doesn't, that literally means nothing. And I honestly couldn't care less what you have to say about it. That, that's my goal. It doesn't matter what anybody else says. Nobody's going to change that. And nobody's going to stop me from achieving that because I know it's my responsibility. I know that at the end of the day, I'm the one that's got to do it. It's not going to be luck. It's not going to be somebody, you know, teaching me a secret special move. It's going to be me putting in the hours, putting in the time every single day, being consistent. And I think that when I just, I was just listening to uh, um, a, a podcast and one of the guys said, if you consistently work and you give yourself enough time achieving, you, you can pretty much achieve any goal, you know, as long as you, you give yourself enough time to do it. And so for me, like, I'm not in this, I'm not, I, I know I'm not going to be the number one pound for pound fighter in a week or a month or probably a year, but I'm going to keep working at it until that's until I achieve that goal. And if I take a loss along the way, which I'm not planning on doing, Oh, well, I don't care. I'm on to the next. And, and the goal remains the same. And I, I think that that translates to every area. People yeah. complain about, Oh, this guy gets this tag or this guy gets on here. It's like, well, who's there working every day? Like who's out there getting it? Like are are you're, you're obviously not because you're sitting here whining about him doing it. Yeah, no, you, you hit the nail on the head. I mean, I, I love what Cam always says is must be nice. You know, it's that mentality. <laughs> yeah. It's that, that whole exactly, thing. Right? You know? He gets more hate than anybody I've seen. Like just like, and it's because he's, he excels at what he yeah. does and pe- people don't like people that do really well and do extraordinary things. So the favorite yeah. comments on his page are, uh, are the ones where the guys are like why are you shooting so close to your truck like yeah yeah like yo you're you're gonna shoot your window out man and and i'm just like you're such an idiot bro like what are you even saying so like the other day i posted i was shooting my bow at 20 yards and i had like my house behind it and i was and some guys like and i had like five people comment they're like they're just like calling me an idiot and stuff i'm like what are you doing, dude? You don't, you probably don't even shoot, bro. Like what, what's going yeah. on? Why are you complaining about it? Like you're, you're, you're whining on my page. Like get out of here. <laughs> it's just fun. Yeah. yeah. Those people are just unhappy with themselves. Yeah. They have to project it onto, onto others that are doing things that they'd like to do or they, who knows? I don't, don't even try to yeah. understand it. It's not worth it. But no, I, I think, I think you, you really uh, hit that one home. And I think that applies and really, anything doesn't matter if it's fighting hunting wrestling whatever is it's having that mindset and willing it's one thing to have the mindset and not willing to put into work but if you combine the combine the two there i think it's uh i i I think anything's reasonable for sure and i I think like so to to give an example my my goal coming into college was i wanted to be a four-time undefeated national champ like that was it it was that or the or the highway like that or bust and i didn't achieve that like i was a three-time national champion i lost three times in college right and so i have people come up to me all the time and they're like tell me how great my career is and you know how amazing i am and stuff and i'm like yeah like you know and and how like i must have like you know exceeded expectations i'm like no like honestly like and, and so part of me, when I look back at my wrestling career, it's like a little, you know, unsatisfying, unfinished. And, and, and because I didn't achieve what I set out to achieve. Be- and, and yeah, I, I pretty much set the highest possible goal for myself. But in that, you know, had I had a goal to be like a one-time national champion and, and maybe I 
And let's say I, I go into college and I decide I just want to win the nationals once. And so then I go all four years and lose, you know, 10 times as much and then win it my senior year. And I become a one-time national champion. Like, is that better than when I achieve my, my goal exactly, but I only won it once or when I won three times and only had three losses, but it didn't achieve my goal. So for me, like I would rather shoot as high as possible and miss it by a little bit than like shoot low and hit it. So yeah. it's like, I might as well say like, I'm going to the absolute tippy top. Like I'm doing the absolute most because then it's like, I, 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 I give my, if I go a little down and I don't achieve that yeah, it still sucks, but it was still, you know, great in its own way. And so that's kind of like, I have mixed feelings looking back at my college career because I didn't achieve what I want to achieve, but I also know like how much work I put in and how valuable the process was of being able to go through all of that and experience everything that I did even more, more, that's even more value to, valuable to me than achieving the goal. And I, I think a lot of people can't really see that they can't really, you know, use that and apply that to what they're doing in a practical sense. But once, since, since I've kind of done it, I know how to apply that to all the things I'm doing now. Yeah, no, I, I, I think, I think that that mindset is, is incredible. And, and again, you, you typically only see that with the, the top performers and, and the ones that have those, those goals. And, and, and again, if you have a, you know, a, your goals, you know, down here for anybody that's not watching a video, but down, you know, in the middle ground there and you hit it every time, it's like, how, how are you actually, you know, getting better? How are you doing things where if you have those, you know, those goals ahead of times. And, and when, when I, you know, when I started this podcast, like I didn't, I didn't have any reason to, but my goal was like, all right, my, my first goal was like, I'm going to do this for a living. Like, this is what I'm going to do. And it's like, oh, there's all, there's markets already flooded. There's already too much, you know, people out there doing it. There's all this. And just like, no, that was my goal the whole time. And there wasn't once that I doubted that. And it wasn't like, oh, like, oh, I thought I was the best in the world or no, I just knew that if I just continually worked at it and just, you know, got better and adjusted as I went that I could, you know, eventually accomplish that goal. And I, I think that, yeah, just that, that mindset is so huge. Yeah, the uh, we, we have a really awesome um, sports psychologist that works with us at Penn State. And one of the things that she told me when I very first got here was that there's always going to be a million reasons not to do something, but there's only one reason to do it. And it's because you want to. And so, you know, there's always going to be a million excuses of why you can't do this or why you can't do that. And you'll, other people will tell you that and you can make them up in your own in your own head. But at the end of the day, there's only, you only have to have one reason to do it. And it's like, if you want it, you want it, go get it. That's it. It's as simple as that. And I, I like to just like, you can complicate life and complicate achieving your goals and being successful as much as you want, right? Like if I look at, you know, becoming the number one pound for pound fighter in the world, I can list 10 million things that I have to do to do that. Or I can just say, no, I want, this is what I want. I'm going to do it. And I, and whatever I have to do to get there, it'll get done. And, and, you know, starts with a foundation of believing in yourself, knowing, knowing you, and I guess it starts first with knowing what you want to do, right? Just knowing that you want to do that. And then, you know, going from there from to believing in yourself and then putting in the work to make it happen. But yeah, it's, it's so interesting. There's always going to be so many things come up in life that kind of try to, you know, give you a reason not to do something. And, how many people do you know, like 
that wanted like their life didn't really go as planned and they made decisions because of this or that or whatever like they didn't pursue something because of this it's like you know 99% of people but for me I'm just not going to live life that way like that's why I pretty much do the craziest possible things that you can like I'm throwing myself in a cage to like fight another human <laughs> like in a simulated death match like, yeah most primal thing that you can do yeah, exactly. <laughs> like hiking back 20 miles into the wilderness that nobody's ever been to to try to bring down like a 400 inch bull like just the crate like that's how i want to live my life personally so that's what i'm going to do and nobody's gonna give me a reason including myself to like not do those things just because i'm just not i'm not gonna allow it yeah oh that's that's awesome and mindset's such a powerful thing man and and uh and then just working to back it up and i think that I don't know. I just, I just hope that anybody that's listening at this point can, should really pay attention to that and, and think about that in any aspect. And whether, you know, you're brand new to hunting or brand new to whatever, just like shoot big and, and if you really want it and then put the, put the work in for it. hundred percent. That's what it's about. Yeah. Well, Bo, I'm sorry I kept you over here a little bit on uh, on on the podcast. I told you an hour, and I think we went just a little bit over here. So I, I apologize for that, but I do appreciate you taking the time and and uh, out of your busy schedule and 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 talking with me here. I, I think I could go all night talking about some of these things, but I, I really do appreciate it. Absolutely, you know, my pleasure to come on, and I love talking about this stuff and all these things that I'm passionate about. So, you know, I, I appreciate it. It was, it was great conversation and, uh, yeah, maybe we'll, we'll do it again, uh, after this hunting season or something and I can share another story and I'm sure you'll have tons to share with me too. Heck yeah, that we'll, we'll definitely have to do that. You know, one, one last thing I wanted to say was it was funny when I was talking to my buddy that was at that wrestling camp with yeah. you that, uh, Adam, and he was like, yeah, I, I told him I was doing the podcast with you and he's like, He's like, I bet he'll be happy to talk about something other than wrestling, you know, for a little bit. And I'm after hearing you today, it doesn't sound like you get sick of talking about it or anything either. So <laughs> I love it. I, I definitely enjoy. I enjoy talking with with people that are passionate about something. And as long as what whatever we have in common, like I'm down to chat about it. But all the wrestling, fighting, hunting, I could talk with people all day about all that stuff. <laughs> awesome well tell people where they can find you follow along with kind of your journey follow along with now your fighting career your hunting all those different things yeah so you can uh check me out on instagram and twitter at no bickle that's n-o-b-i-c-k-a-l and then my um outfitting business is river bottom hunts um on instagram so you can check us out there too and this will be our first year guiding uh we're, we're pretty much fully booked up for this year but there, there's some spots for, for next year available if you want to hit us up. Awesome. Well, thank you. And, and, uh, you definitely have, you have the better spelling of the name Bo than I do because it's easier. Everyone always asks me, you know, what, what's that short for? Is it, is it, is that a nickname? What's what's that going on? So keep it simple. simple. (laughs) All right. Well, thanks, man. I appreciate you coming on. Awesome. Thanks, Bo. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of East Meets West Hunt with your host, Bo Martonic. For more great content and to stay up to date, visit eastmeetswesthunt.com, Facebook at East Meets West Outdoors, and Instagram at East Meets West Hunt. If you enjoyed today's episode, please review and subscribe, and we'll catch you next time.